Welcome to Silhouette, a podcast by the YDN. My name is Xavier Waracha, and I'll be your host for today. We have Shervin Demobed, a member of the class of 2024, as our guest today. He was recently listed on the Forbes 30 Under 30 list. So Shervin, Ecopackables, could you describe it in your own words? Absolutely. So in essence, think of Ecopackables as a sustainable packaging company. We manufacture and distribute three types of films. These are compostable films, recycled plastic films, or recycled paper films. And we basically, in a nutshell, make packaging for either apparel companies, cosmetic companies, or food safe companies. Welcome to Silhouette, a podcast by the YDN. My name is Xavier Waracha, and I'll be your host for today. We have Shervin Demobed, so a member of the class of 2024, as our guest today. He was recently listed on the Forbes 30 Under 30 list. They have like intramural pickleball. Yes, definitely. There's actually one in my hometown. Like two years ago, they just got started. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, like, it's it's basically been taking over the United States in terms of popularity. And growing up, I played tennis. I mean, I played tennis here. And right in front of my house in San Diego, we had a whole tennis club. And they basically tore all 16 courts down to build pickleball courts. And so... Looking at this, I felt like there was some sort of a trend gearing towards older people moving away from tennis because it's a pretty physically demanding sport and transitioning towards pickleball. And so if you also look at the demographic of people that play, it tends to be like older married women, um, which are also happen to be people with a lot of money. And so I set out to kind of create an accessory and apparel line for women over the age of 45. And it ended up doing very, very well. I started this the end of my sophomore year in high school. And then it got to the point towards the end of my senior year, coincidentally, when Ecopackables was founded, we were moving like a couple hundred orders a day. And then when you kind of start moving those volumes, we were doing a lot of our fulfillment in-house. And I realized the extent to which we wasted packaging, right? Because when you ship something across the country, you're basically taking a virgin plastic envelope tearing it open, putting something in it to ship it across the country only for the end person to get it, not even recycle it properly because LDP films aren't curbside recyclable, they're thin film recyclable, which no one seems to really know. And so I kind of set about solving that problem. This is coincidentally right when COVID was happening too. And COVID, as we all know, everyone was staying at home, people were shopping more. And so it was a big tailwind for e-commerce. And so I set about trying to mitigate the impact that single-use plastic had on our thin film recycling streams. Oh, perfect. I've seen in an article before that this is not like your first company that you've been CEO or you've managed. Could you talk a little bit more about some of the other companies that you've had control over? Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, the, the pickleball company I just mentioned was pretty much the main venture. The first company I ever started, this is actually kind of a funny story. I was 15 years old at the time, just moved to the United States from Spain where I grew up. So we made children's toys for kids that had ADHD and ADD. And so we designed a number of different toys. And basically, I don't know if it was luck or what it was. We did very, very well our first year. I mean, we hit six-figure revenue when I was just 15 years old. And it did very well for three years. Eventually had to shut the company down for long story. That's maybe for another time. But yeah, that was kind of my first taste of entrepreneurship. And then I've basically been trying to kind of build valuable solutions to problems ever since. So is there anyone in particular that you contribute your success to? Any role models or somebody who's always been just absolutely supportive of you all the way through? I wouldn't say it's any one person in particular, but my family generally has been 
very supportive of me taking risks, right? And I thank them a lot for that because, I mean, from a young age, I always had a knack for kind of like doing different things, like if it was like trading baseball cards or whatever. So I always enjoyed kind of, I don't know what you would call it at the time. Maybe it's commerce, maybe it's hustle, whatever you want to call it, you can call it. But basically when we moved to the United States, like my dad started like managing a few rental units, nothing too big. And he would take me around along with my uncle, show me around. Like when I was really young, asked me like, oh, how can we like separate this unit to maybe get more rent there? And so I started thinking a little bit like an entrepreneur from a pretty young age. And so when I wanted to start my first venture, which was the children's toy company when I was just a freshman in high school, I made a ton of mistakes that I would never make now. But I mean, I was grateful that my parents supported that decision. And so I basically started that company with $2,000 that I got from mowing lawns when I was a kid. And then eventually have just scaled that up to Eco Packables, which is still completely bootstrapped, haven't taken a penny in outside funding. So it's been a very gradual process, but I wouldn't say I would attribute the success to any one person, more just like a combination of different people helping me along the way. Yeah, that's wonderful. So moving back ahead to the now or 2022, when was the moment you realized that you were going to be a part of the Forbes 30 under 30? Yeah. So, I mean, it's a little bit of a funny story because they don't really tell you if you're going to make the list or not until the list comes out. Yeah. So I actually had no idea. I was getting on a flight to go to New York City from San Diego to LaGuardia and it was around like 6.50 a.m. Our flight took off at like 6.55 and I think it's 7 a.m. or 7 a.m. Pacific Standard, which is 10 a.m. Eastern. They released the list. And so I had no idea really that I made it. And so, yeah, basically on my flight, I think I fell asleep or something. And then we land and I see like I have like 100 text messages, 50 missed calls. And I'm like, okay, something clearly happened while I was gone. And then, yeah, basically opened up my email, was added to a Slack channel with all the other listers. And that's when I kind of realized like, oh crap, we actually made the list. Wow, that's crazy. So was this about before school started? Was this during the semester or how did that kind of affect you? I wasn't enrolled last semester. Now, I don't actually remember the date, to be honest, sometime in December, I think. So I just kind of got off my flight and it was pretty cool, but I just continued going about my day. That's great. How do you feel like your life plan slash life goals have been altered by the success of the company? Great question. To be honest, it hasn't really done much. So if you look at the the recognition that the list provides, right, it isn't so much about me as it is like what we're building at Eco Packables. And that's kind of the main focus I want to take from it is like the hard and exciting work is yet to come. This is a nice milestone to get along the way. And it certainly helped us bring us new clients, get us investors, or like at least meetings with investors that we might have otherwise not gotten. But I mean, this is just one step along the journey. And the fun and exciting part is now building something a lot more scalable and a lot cooler than what we have right now. And so when I look at how this alters what I want to do, it hasn't altered it too much because external success factors, right? Recognition on a list or some sort of buyout or a funding round that you might have raised. In theory, that shouldn't really impact what you want to do and how you want to build your company. The way our team looks at EcoPackables right now is it's we pretty much have the same day-to-day challenges, whether we just closed a massive round of funding, whether a really nice article dropped about us, whether someone slandered us across the board. I mean, like the day-to-day is still the same. We still have to do certain things to build the company and drive value to our customers. And that stuff never really changes regardless of what other like PR external factors you really get. Yeah, definitely. That's actually really great advice. On the other hand, do you feel like you've missed out on anything being so preoccupied with eco packables? Well, 
I wouldn't say I necessarily feel like I miss out on a ton because I really, really enjoy the work we do. Like I can't stress that enough. I love building products that make a tangible impact on other companies and that I could spend all my waking hours doing that. Now, when it comes to like everyone gets these like moments where they really wish certain things were a certain way. And sure, there were times where like we only get an opportunity to go to Yale once and be an undergrad here once. And I do wish that Sometimes maybe I could fully invest myself in classes a little more and really like do all the readings for a certain class and talk to professors after class, do all this good stuff. But unfortunately, when you're juggling varsity tennis with running a company and also doing school, like you end up with Gamelan and West African dance on the schedule a little more often than you would like. Now, those are great classes, but it's just sometimes I wish I could challenge myself a little more academically because I mean, to some extent, that's what we're here to do. It's just sometimes you feel like you get spread a little thin and you can't quite have the same liberal arts education that many other students would get because they can wholeheartedly devote themselves to school. You mentioned varsity tennis. Just being a student athlete is a feat of its own. So I can't even imagine student athlete plus CEO. So that's actually perfect into the next question, which is how is life now at Yale? It's pretty good. I mean, it's it's nice. It's nice to see friends again. I mean, not too much has changed, right? Again, we still have to execute on a day-to-day basis and still continue building the company, which is, I mean, at the end of each day, my first and foremost priority, right? So school and that stuff's taking a little bit of a backseat. Obviously, not trying to like fail out of my classes or anything, but primary focus every day is still how can we focus on reducing the amount of plastic waste out there. And so when it comes to my approach to the day to day, not much has really changed between now and my gap semester, except the fact that I get to hit a few tennis balls around every day and I get to see some friends every now and then. A little more about the dual life as both CEO and student. Do you feel like you kind of split up your day in half or do you feel like it's like every so often, like sometimes you'll switch into CEO mode? And then sometimes I'll switch back into student. How is that? Well, <laughs> I don't know if there's <laughs> such a thing as CEO mode. I mean, like you kind of just go about working. But I guess every morning, if I had to like, break it down, like the time where I feel like I'm most productive, I by default channel that towards the company, right? So I wake up and I'd say around like 90% of the work I do each day is for the company, maybe five to 10% is reserved for school. So it is very, very one-sided. Now, fortunately, like for classes, there are times where certain material I can learn pretty quickly. And so this might not be the best strategy, highly don't recommend it, but a day or two before the exam, you can cram a bunch of stuff in and pray for the best. But yeah, when it comes to how I break time apart, like you have to cluster it, but if you get a call from a client while you're in class, like you got to leave class to take that call. So that's, uh, if I had to say that's how I structured it, it would be like that. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of Yaleys relate to about that cramming part. Oh uh, yeah, so don't, don't be too hard on yourself about that. On to our last question. What's next? What is next on your vision board? What is next on your 2023 like goals? So we have certain like targets that we want to hit in terms of revenue, certain targets we want to hit in terms of impact. And there are a lot of really cool initiatives that we're working on. But again, our North Star and our main focus every day is how can we eliminate the use of single use plastics from packaging? Our main goal this year, to put it very simply, is to just increase that number, right? Today, we've eliminated over 12 and a half million poly bags. We're trying to take that number even higher. A lot of the relationships that we have in the pipeline, we're going to try to like convert them. These include companies. Companies like Rana, different really sustainably oriented companies. We want to bring them on board, as well as some larger players like we've had conversations with Procter and Gamble, Staples, companies like that. We want to really get in the door and start working with larger corporations that really have the ability to move the needle 
in terms of what their customers get for packaging. Looking at 2023 and what's beyond that, I think we're in a really cool position with the momentum we have and the traction we've received to help take us to a position where larger companies that historically would go to legacy providers that were very archaic would be open to exploring a new solution that's really on the most cutting edge of sustainable packaging. That's wonderful. Is there anything else you'd like to add? Pretty much all. Perfect. Thank you so much for coming. Of course. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of Silhouette. It was produced, edited, and hosted by Xavier Waracha. Special thanks to the podcast editors.